You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. So good morning. So great to be back with you again. Glad that you're dropping by to check out what's going on in the world of health and wellness. And today we wake up to a world man on high alert once again over COVID-19, the new virus in a new form spreading quickly just days after it was discovered in South Africa. Look, I know we're all so sick of this thing. Many people just tune out when they hear COVID, but man, dial in on this one because it's worth watching. It's called Omicron. In many countries, they're now just shutting down flights, trying to keep the virus from spreading away from South Africa and around the world. But hey, I think the cat's already out of the bag on this one and it's on the loose. So it might be coming our way sometime soon. So we have three key questions we need to answer about this virus. Is it more contagious than the Delta virus? So far, it does appear to be. Will the virus defeat the vaccines or natural immunity? If you've already had COVID, if you've been vaccinated, is it going to come and find you? And well, that one's unknown. So far, there's indications that it could, and that might be a problem. But most importantly, is this form of the virus going to make you even sicker? Is it more dangerous? Right now, no one knows for sure. There's a chance, though, just a slim chance that we're going to catch a break in this version could actually be less dangerous. How could that be true? How could a new virus be good news? Well, we're going to get to that at the start of the next half hour when we dig into Omicron and COVID in more detail. So it's coming up at 930. Hope you'll hang out for that. Right now, we're going to shift our focus to body fat. No, it's not the jiggly stuff that most of us have around our waistline or that cushions our backsides we're talking about. That kind of fat, it's not very pretty, but it's not the big troublemaker that something called visceral fat can be. That's the stuff that is inside your abdominal cavity where it surrounds your intestines, your spleen, pancreas, liver, and all that stuff. Many of us have just too much of this visceral fat, and the bad news is it messes with our hormone balance and can cause inflammation all over your body, increasing the risk of cancer and a number of other health problems. So for a closer look at all of this, I checked in with Dr. Stephen Herman, PhD, from Sanford Health out in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Sanford's one of the largest hospital systems around the country, 46 hospitals, 1,500 physicians, and they created something called the Profile Plan. It's nutrition and health coaching service. But first things first, what is visceral fat and why is it such a bad thing? Yeah, yeah, great question, Lee. Uh, so visceral fat is the fat that most people don't notice. Uh, most people are worried about uh, the external subcutaneous fat, and that's the fat that people stress about, worry about that's on the outside of their body, just underneath the skin. Visceral fat's different. Visceral fat is the fat that's found in your abdomen, and it surrounds your, your organs. Yeah, so the fat that you can pinch and feel, that's that's the subcutaneous fat. And, and while you don't want a lot of it, it's not as bad for you as visceral fat. So let's what is there about visceral fat that makes it some people even call it vicious fat? Yeah. So so what what researchers found, um, you know, historically, they thought all all fats fat. 
Um, and in probably about the 90s, they started to realize that that fat cells are actually uh, more like the endocrine system. They're, they're, they provide or produce hormones uh, and proteins that, that affect your body in different ways. And, and so they're, they're metabolically active, and, and, and this was something new. And, and so the secretion of those hormones and proteins are linked to uh, inflammation in the body, um, insulin resistance as a precursor to diabetes, and, and a host of other negative health conditions. Yeah, that list, uh, that list is long. It includes heart disease, high blood pressure. There's some indication that cancer and even dementia are all linked to inflammation that can be tied back to some degree to visceral fat. So, yeah, there's a lot of good reasons not to want to have it. How can I tell whether I have an accumulation of visceral fat? Yeah, so so it's difficult to see, um, and and this is one of the things that the most accurate way to measure this is is through a DEXA scan, CT scan, MRI, uh, where where uh, we can actually see inside of your body. And when we can see inside of your body, we can measure it, we can observe changes over time um, to understand if it's, if it's a condition that's worsening. Without that, uh, to do our best to measure it, it would be monitoring things like waist circumference, uh, it, where, where uh, fat is stored around the midsection or, or what's referred to as abdominal obesity. And, and monitoring changes there as well. Uh, it, the other thing that, that some uh, clinicians and, and researchers will look at is a, a ratio of waist circumference compared to something like your BMI or your, your body mass index. And, and having a higher waist circumference relative to a BMI could be an indicator uh, of, of more uh, visceral fat. But that, that ratio of visceral to subcutaneous fat is something like 90% of the fat in your body is, is subcutaneous. And, and about 10% of that fat that, that could cause some problems is, is visceral fat. So I have read that um, if, if your belly it protrudes, the, the common beer belly, as we've often heard of it referenced, and you, and you can thump it and it sounds firm like a watermelon, that's, that's a worrisome sign. Yes. So there, there's some, some uh, thought behind that. And, and that subcutaneous fat, like you mentioned, is, is usually a bit spongy and soft. Um, and, and when the fat, uh, visceral fat, is, is, is pushing out, it's part of this almost apron of tissue um, that, that's inside your abdominal cavity. As that starts to push out, it can put pressure on that subcutaneous fat, uh, put pressure on, on the inside of, of your abdominal muscles, abdominal wall that, that pushes layers and layers forward. And, and so that loss of some sponginess and springiness uh, for some could be an indicator of, uh, of a problem underneath. So this fat, this is the visceral fat we're talking about, surrounds the organs in your uh, abdomen. So your intestines, your liver, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and some of that is normal, but when it gets out of whack, let's talk about how that can influence. Uh, you mentioned earlier it's hormonally active. What's going on there? Yeah, and so like you said, a lot of it's normal. And fat in your body in, is is healthy and normal. Uh, the fat serves a lot of purposes, everything from protecting those organs and protecting your, your body um, to storing some extra calories when you need it. Uh, and so 
when you start taking on excessive calories, those calories get converted into uh, triglycerides and, and that's stored in fat tissue. And then hopefully it's used for energy. But when you're taking in more calories than you're burning, it gets stored for longer periods of time. And, and so then as your body starts to produce more and more of, uh, of these hormones and, and uh, proteins that act to uh, like a, a precursor to angiostensin, like you mentioned, it increases blood pressure. So it actually can harden your, your arteries and blood vessels, which then uh, causes increase in, in blood pressure. And so that's what happens when it starts to get an excessive amount or an excess amount, it starts to have those negative effects. So is there a link between foods I'm eating, specific foods and the accumulation of this visceral fat, or is it just a matter of calories in, calories out? Yeah, you know, we want people to focus on a broadly healthy, healthy meal plan, healthy diet that includes fruits and vegetables, uh, because there's a number of benefits from from those types of things. Uh, but one of the really important links actually is is exercise, and and so research actually shows that exercise can provide a, a bigger impact in reducing visceral fat uh, than dietary changes. But we don't want to just do one or the other. So we want to combat it with both, right? We want to increase our exercise or activity to a, a healthy level. And the guidelines say, uh, you know, targeting 150 minutes a week or more of, of moderate intensity exercise, a couple days a week of some resistance training or strength training, lifting weights to, to strengthen our muscles, and then match that with a, a healthy diet of fruits and veggies and, and avoiding that excess in calories that has the trickle-down uh, impact of, of increased fat storage, which uh, leads to the things that we just talked about. So that is Dr. Stephen Herman from Sanford Health Systems. Okay, all right, we get it. Visceral fat is bad. Eating well helps take it off and exercise yeah but what else there's one approach he says that works three times better to lose weight and keep it off and that's where we go next when we come back with the health call live radio hour on wowo welcome back to health call live if you've got a question you don't have to give blood to get the answer just call us at 447-1190 we are talking body fat this morning, the kind of body fat that's deep inside you that can mess with your hormone balance, cause inflammation, make you age faster, just lots of health problems. Dr. Steve Herman from Sanford Health System just explained what makes this visceral fat a threat. And now we're going to shift to what you can do about it. Yes, changing foods is important. Yes, exercise plays a role. And no, rearranging your lifestyle isn't easy. And that is why Dr. Herman says if you really want to change your health, don't go it alone. Uh, you can't do everything uh, and you can't do everything at once. It's really challenging and, and you might set yourself up for failure or disappointment when all of those things don't happen. So we always encourage people to start small, right? Start focusing on some of the behaviors that if you're like the, the typical American, uh, you're only eating about you know one serving to two servings of vegetables a day. Only one in 10 uh, Americans get enough vegetables in their diet. Start there. Um, it, there's a lot of ways that we can make vegetables taste good uh, and help you in- increase your vegetable intake, but start with those small things. Build exercise as a habit. Build it into your daily and weekly routine, and then you can start in- 
increasing uh, to those those higher levels. And and one of the things that that I, I think causes the most problem is that people try to do this on their own. Um, it's really difficult to do this on their own. There's a ton of information out there. There's a ton of misinformation out there. And, and so uh, a health coaching model is something that's been really, really effective, um, well studied over the last several years. And having a health coach to help navigate these challenges with you uh, can be important. They can identify uh, behaviors uh, that we can focus on. They can help manage what things we do in what order. And, and they can help you know sort of weed your way through the noise of misinformation out there to keep you on track. Do we want to eliminate or minimize carbohydrates and fats? Do we want to think about those separately as we're trying to change our diet as it's focused on visceral fat? Yeah, so I think there's this, this old way of thinking that um, you know, having fat in your diet is going to cause you to become fat. It, and, and, and that's not true. Uh, we know that dietary fat isn't, isn't the, the primary link to fat storage in the body. And that does come from excess calories. And so when we're looking at things, we don't necessarily want to eliminate anything from someone's diet. Uh, sometimes that, that over restricting, whether it's certain foods, like if you, you like to have a, a cupcake, we can talk about how to have a cupcake and really enjoy the experience and make sure that it's not happening every single day of the week. Uh, but we don't want to be too restrictive. There are some some strategies of, uh, of working with uh, lower uh, fat diets and lower carb diets for different reasons. And so lowering fat intake can be a good way of decreasing calories because fat has more calories per gram than, than protein and carbohydrates. Um, reducing carbohydrates has some additional benefits of managing blood sugar, um, feeling of fullness and satiety when you're replacing those carbohydrates with other sources. So it, it can be a benefit to, to do both. Um, and we're actually understanding a lot more about how your genetics play a role in this and, and, and trying to focus on personalized nutrition in the future to help people out. Yeah, let's go there. I want to hear more about personalized nutrition. I mean, we all know people who, you know, there's folks who can eat anything and they never seem to gain weight. And then other folks who look at a cupcake and add a pound, right? We've all heard those stories. Is that what you're talking about when the genetic differences come in? Yeah, you know, uh, obesity itself and, and, and human metabolism is incredibly complex. And we're starting to understand a lot more about genetic uh, markers, genetic risk factors in ways that we can, we can work with uh, your genetics through a nutrition plan uh, to help you achieve your goals, whether that's improving um, exercise performance or, or losing weight. And, and so as we get to that point, um, we're starting to understand this better. Um, health coaches can help on, understand what that information means. And then, you know, just knowing that isn't always the most important thing. How do we execute that plan? And that's where a health coach can come in that there's a ton of information out there. Um, but executing on that is difficult. And, and that's what we see in sports, right? That's why there's coaches. There's so much you could do. How do we focus on, on doing the right things and getting feedback over and over and over again, so that those small changes really add up over time? Okay, so let's say I'm interested in, in, in a health coaching program, which I believe is what Profile Plan is all about. Um, paint a picture for me of what that looks like. How does it work? Am I going to see somebody? Is it done over the phone or over video? How, just give me the, the rundown on what, what you're talking about there. 
Yeah, and, and there's there's a, a lot of companies out there. Health systems offer health coaching through registered dietitians and in other forms and fashions. What what we do is is offer the experience really to match each person's needs. So uh, we have locations where somebody come in and, and sit down and meet face to face. You know, build a relationship uh, together and and get to know each other. Uh, all the challenges and wins and losses and uh, along the way. But we also offer a virtual experience. And, and I think that's been much more common over the past 18 to 24 months with uh, COVID and other things is that people are more comfortable uh, doing video calls like this, um, having a conversation with somebody over the phone and, and learning how to build that relationship without having having to meet somebody face to face. But really the, the outcomes in those two scenarios don't differ uh, uh, really, really much at all. Uh, it's, it's really about matching the experience with the person, how do they want to receive this information? How do they want to interact with the health coach and what's going to be most effective for them? So that is Dr. Steve Herman from Sanford Health. They are headquartered out in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You can find out more about their personalized nutrition and activity program called Profile Plan at ProfilePlan.com if you're interested in that. They've created a customized program for men, for people with specific, specific health conditions, lots of different programs. So check it out if you're interested. But, you know, you can find health coaches from many different organizations, including our local hospitals. Many health insurance companies have coaching and wellness assistance because in the end, everyone saves money from it. Your health insurance may actually cover the cost of health coaching. It may require that your doctor write up something called a letter of medical necessity. That's a letter from your doctor that verifies the health coaching, the diet or exercise assistance you want is indeed for the treatment or prevention of disease or medical condition. And then that sort of ticks the box and makes it tax deductible or triggers your insurance to help you cover some of the cost. Changing health habits, look, it is not easy. I know that. But what you eat and how much you eat and how much you move, that is the single biggest factor that determines not only how long you're going to live, but how many of those years are going to be healthy and that you're going to be able to enjoy. So the changes you make today pay off tomorrow. It's never too late to start. And maybe, just maybe, a health coach is a good way to get started. So coming up next, we're going to take a look at what this new version of COVID-19 is all about. It sent the stock market down almost to 1,000 points the other day. It's shutting down global travel, threatening to rock the world all over again. Is there a chance this thing is coming to get you? Maybe so. What can you do about it? How dangerous is it? What do we need to know and why actually could it be good news? That's all coming up next on the Health Call Live Radio Hour right here on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media.